0: Sure as God made green apples, someday the Chicago Cubs are going to be in a World Series. Here's the 0-1. This is going to be a tough play. Bryant, the Cubs in the World Series. You are locked on Cubs. Your daily Chicago Cubs podcast. But we didn't come here to drink beer. We came here to win this ball game. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I said to the Uber boy, I said. What's going on, Cubs fans? You were listening to Lockdown Cubs, part of the Lockdown Network, your team every day. On today's episode, we are breaking down this Cubs-Padres trade as you, Darvish, and Victor Carantini are heading to San Diego for Zach Davies and a slew of young prospects. We'll break down the trade in the first segment, then we're going to dive into the four new prospects that are coming to the Cubs, and they just acquired, and kind of figure out what the heck the direction is for 2021. It would be super nice if the Cubs made some moves, and I didn't come away with more questions than answers, but it's 2020, and here we are. You can get Locked on Cubs in whatever podcast app you use, whether that's Google, Apple, Spotify, TuneIn app, Stitcher. Wherever you listen to your podcast, make sure you subscribe, leave a five star review, and then make sure you follow us on Twitter at Lockdown Cubs. You can follow me on Twitter at Sean R. Sears. So, in this first segment, the trade, as we talked about at the beginning of yesterday's show, and we've kind of talked about these last couple of shows with Darvish and Padres, it's final, uh, at least not final, but it's been finally reported at least. The clubs haven't officially confirmed this yet. We'll probably get that later. I know the Padres are probably still waiting on medicals for Blake Snell, let alone you, Darvish, and Caratini. So once those come through, both teams will probably officially announce this deal. But the Cubs are sending Darvish and Carantini to the Padres for Zach Davies. He was a 27-year-old right-hander, obviously, if you guys are familiar with the Central. Uh, played for the Brewers a couple of years ago. He got traded to the Padres last year. Had a pretty good 2020 season. Similar to Kyle Hendricks, he found some success throwing his fastball less, using his changeup more. He hovers in around 88, 89, maybe 90 miles an hour. He's not going to throw a ton of high heat, He's going to give you a lot of change-ups, maybe some breaking balls here and there, similar to Kyle Hendricks. Um, the other four names, though, Reginald Percato, he's a 6'5 shortstop, who uh, a switch hitting shortstop. He's got two different swings. He kind of has more of an elliptical swing from the left side, uh, more compact swing from the right side, but his frame at 6'5 is really making scouts think that he could develop into something special as his hopefully starts to fill out. He is, I believe only 17 years old though. Um, that's kind of the theme with a lot of these guys. You'll start to see they aren't very old. Reginald Percato, um, was the top Panama prospect in the 2019 international signing class. And, um, He's got a lot of pop, has potential to be a real strong hitter. Um, obviously, a switch hitting guy, shortstop. It sounds like even at his size, they expect him to stick around, but he could potentially get shifted to third base, the outfield, um, just because his frame at 6'4, 185. They're expecting maybe get somewhere around maybe 190, 200 at 6'5. So, um, more to grow with him, but he's he was the highest prospect included in this deal. The other names here, we'll go through the names, and we'll go through the players a little bit here. Owen Casey, who is a left-handed bat, was on Team Canada. He was the second overall pick of the 2020 draft. Second, He was the second round pick of the Padres in the 2020 draft this year. Um, Jensen Santana, the only player in this group, at least outside of Davies, that has pro ball experience. I think he's got a couple of bats. Um Jensen, a talented shortstop who has really good bat contact. I was watching some of his video through some of the prospect live videos I was able to find on YouTube and he makes really good contact. He seems to fight through counts. I watched him go down two strikes and work walks twice um, against a a proven Texas Ranger pitcher, um, at least in their system at the moment. So that was impressive to see. Um, Santana seems like he's maybe the most polished, especially in the field. He feels like the guy might stick the most at shortstop. He's got a good glove, pretty strong arm, Um, interesting piece. And then the last piece is Ishmael, Mina. Um, he's big, massive dude. I think he's already 6'4". I think they project him to get maybe somewhere around 6'5". Potentially. he's at So he's at 6'3", 6'4", about 185. They think his frame could get filled out to about 6'5". 225 pounds. He has got a crusher lefty swing. Him and Casey both. Owen Casey, both big lefty bats with a lot of pop. Um, so, th- Overall, I mean these these guys are all high upside, high ceiling guys, but they're also none of them are in the top 10 of the Padres prospect system. They're all 15 through 20. Um it kind of makes you think that if you're trading you Darvish at his peak value to a team that has one of the best systems in baseball and you don't get one of the Padres' top 10 prospects, I mean, alibi some of these kids haven't played I mean, none of them have had at-bats higher than rookie ball due to COVID, but some of these kids would probably be ending up higher on this list had uh, COVID not really made it the impact it had and closed down the minors for the 2020 season for the most part. So um, it seems like the Cubs might be going off of um, – the only thing I can kind of gather from this trade, um, it seems like the Cubs might be going off of more recent scouting reports than they have maybe with some of the players that haven't played since 2019. Um at least actual minor league ball, but having these scouting reports on players that had played more recently, maybe the Cubs feel more comfortable with that. I think it's safe to assume that some of these kids are going to rise through the the Cubs prospect list and more than likely one or two of them will probably end up on the list. Um, But it, it just doesn't make sense to me that the Cubs couldn't get, you know, just one of the top 10 prospects. You know, I I mentioned Robert Hassel, who obviously was the eighth overall pick in the 2020 draft here for the Padres. Um, Ryan Weathers was another name I saw. We saw Cole Wilcox included in the trade for Snell. Um, Luis Camposano, he's a catcher for the Padres, was a name I'd heard tossed around. C.J. Abrams, for what it's worth. I mean, the Padres signed Ha-Sung Kim. So you've got Tatis, you've got Ha-Sung Kim, and... You also have Jake Cronenworth as well in that mix. C.J. Adrian, which doesn't really have a spot. I don't know why the Cubs maybe... Uh, the only thing I can think of realistically is that the, the Padres basically s- would probably have sweetened the deal with better prospects if the Cubs had eaten more money on this. But what's so strange is the Cubs just didn't wait. Like, Why would you accept that deal? Why not just hold on a little bit longer? There's no reason you need to trade you Darvish today. You know, there's, there's no financial implication. There's no real implication at all. Like you could have held a couple days and gotten something better. You know, it's kind of hard for me to think that the Yankees couldn't have beat this offer that the, you know, (laughs) another team that, that had assets that wanted another pitcher could have come in and maybe even just sweetened this deal a little bit more. Um, Kind of crazy to me. And then like you think about all this too, like Vic, Like you Darvish for these five players should have been fine on its own adding in Victor Carantini shouldn't have just been like it's in there it's happening like it feels like he got included in this deal for nothing so it's hard to kind of look at this deal and and, and say you know what direction they're going. Good news is the Cubs did save some money. They are eating some of Darvish's salary, but are going to save somewhere close to fifty million. With Davies coming onto the roster, obviously they get rid of all of Darvish's fifty-nine million. Collectively, it sounds like I mean they're going to be eating some of that salary. But fifty-nine million is coming off the books, so to speak. Um, it's really closer to forty-nine fifty because of Davies' eight million. He they're going to assume uh, assume here, but. I was talking with Ryan Davis before I got on the show here today, and we were kind of talking about Davies being included in this deal. It just kind of feels like, at best, he's probably Scott Feldman. You flip him for maybe some good prospects at the deadline, you see what happens. But it's hard to look at this deal and really get an idea of what exactly the Cubs got back, not just because um, you don't really know when these guys are going to come here, but you don't really know who these players are it really as, as as well as you might expect some of these other, you know, a trade like this to happen maybe in 2019, 2018 when you aren't dealing with COVID. Um, you just don't really know what the scouting report is on a lot of these guys. Uh, I did find a great report here from Bla- uh, Baseball America, Kyle Glasser, um, did a great job of kind of breaking down who these guys are and, and why they're important. Um, and all of them. I mean, every report I've read on all these, all four of these rookie guys or these young guys here has been promising. There's a lot of upside and a lot of high ceiling, but it's all about you know what happens in these next couple of years of their development. Do they put on weight? Do they do they adjust their swing? Can they figure out how to make that two strike adjustment? Can they, you know, little things they're working on? They're 17 years old. They're 18, 19 years old. These kids are kids. You, you look at some of these tapes it, very clearly. They are kids there's going to be, this is going to be a long time for these players to come up and make a real impact. And it's just kind of strange to see this deal because you're thinking, you know, at least in my head the last couple of days, if you Darvish is getting traded, you're probably getting at least something Good. Something really like you're, you're holding on to and saying this is a great piece for either the future, for the present, for whatever it may be. Um, you know, CJ C. Abrams is the guy in my head that, that would have made a lot of sense. Um, of course, everyone's going to mention Mackenzie Gore. and that, That's not happening. But um, something like that would have been nice to say at least you've got this guy who's in one of the best, he's one of the top prospects and one of the best systems in baseball. He's their eighth overall, sixth overall. You know, like even just Robert Hassel, a really talented guy. Ryan Weathers, a, a, a pitching prospect. Why are we taking Zach Davies back? Uh, I'm assuming that had money implications as well, too. It, it's not like the Padres save really anything because they collectively are taking on what they would have saved <laughs> with Davies and a few other pieces with the Snell and – darvish contracts here as well as garantini so um i don't know it's so strange there's there's so many weird paradox parallels to this weird type of trade you talk about the padres are the team that have acquired blake snell and you darvish in the last you know 24 hours and the cubs are a team that just inexplicably (laughs) got worse on their own accord in a time where they probably should be trying to win even though they aren't probably a championship caliber team. And I think the reasoning some some people are making about this Darvish trade is that, you know, realistically, if you don't think you're going to compete in 2021, 2022, or even 2023, um, you know, you Darvish is only on this team for three more seasons. Do you really expect him to be at 36, 37 where this team might be starting to take that corner, still be? As good as he is, and do you think you can get value out of him now? So that trade makes sense, but what you got back for you, Darvish, doesn't constitute the type of value I think anyone was expecting. I don't think they were expecting guys to, you know, to be expecting to make their major league debut in 2023, 2024. I think the idea was to have guys that kind of timed up with Brendan Davises of the world, the Ryan Jensen's, the Chase Strumpf's, those type of guys who are, are close and, and should be competing for a position in the next couple of years. It's weird to see how this trade worked out, but realistically, the Padres made out on top right now. If the Cubs happen to by chance find the next Fernando Tatis, this is going to work out in their favor, but they just don't really know what they have yet because he took a bunch of lottery tickets and Zach Davies for you Darvishing Victor Carantini. That's really what happened, and it's a salary dump move. uh, no, No question about it, but I don't think it necessarily points to a rebuild quite yet. Hey guys, Sean Sears here from Lockdown Cubs to talk to you guys about Built Bar. Built Bar is one of the best tasting protein bars I've ever had. I know I talk to you guys about this all the time, but Built Bar is not only one of the best tasting protein bars with flavors like caramel brownie, cookies and cream, lemon almond cheesecake. It's a new one I've been trying. Uh, those are all new flavors, but they've got their original flavors too, like peanut butter, banana bread, mint brownie. I love mint brownie. That's been my breakfast of choice the last couple of, year, or couple of years, or a couple of months now, but the bars are 100% covered in chocolate. Super easy to you chew, soft, but the best thing about them is they're healthy. They're great for the health conscious guy, uh, losing weight, whether that's losing, maintaining weight. It's a nice treat to indulge yourself with. They're low calorie, low sugar, high fiber, high protein. It's great for the keto diet if you're trying to lose weight during a uh, quarantine here right now but take for instance the uh cherry baraka 17 grams of protein 130 calories four grams of sugar four grams of net carbs that is incredibly healthy for you is good for you obviously but also tastes really good it's a nice snack to have throughout the day it's better than me chewing on like i don't know a donut I'm a big fan of goldfish and chips and crackers. It's nice to be able to just eat one of these protein bars. I'm relatively full. I don't snack throughout the day, and I'm ready to eat dinner later on in the day. It's nice. I don't spoil my meal and my girlfriend doesn't get mad at me when I don't want to eat the dinner she just made. But (laughs) Bilt Bar has the promo code locked on to get yourself 20% off your next order. So you head to Biltbar.com, use the promo code locked on. You save yourself 20% off your next order of Bilt Bars. They're delicious, they're nutritious. They're easy to bring anywhere on the go. Great snack for work from home. Head to BuiltBar.com. Use promo code LOCKDOWN. Save yourself 20% off and give these guys a shout out. They've been doing awesome work for the Lockdown Network and are making some of the best protein bars you'll ever have. Are we ready for some football? College football heads into a bowl season, and there are some big matchups this weekend. NFL regular season is finishing up with the playoff picture becoming clear. There's only one place that has you covered and the one place we trust. That's betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use the promo code LOCKEDON for your 50% welcome bonus. But with NFL games coming up, obviously tons of college football. We've got NBA starting officially. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use promo code Lockdown to receive 50% off on your welcome bonus with your first deposit. That's BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Visit our good friends and exclusive partners at BetOnline underscore AG on social media to take advantage of the best bonuses in the business. Sign up for a free account and use promo code Lockdown when you sign up for your bonus. Betting on the Bears or Bulls doesn't have to be a guessing game if you listen to the new Locked On Bets hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get daily picks and quick-hitting advice to make the smartest possible wagers. Subscribe to Locked On Bets podcast brought to you by BetOnline.ag wherever you get your podcasts. But here in the second segment, so who the heck are these kids? Um, what, 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 can we, what can we expect from these guys? Um, going through here, I'm going to read through the Baseball America article that uh, – by Kyle uh, Glazer that really kind of breaks down these guys relatively well. But uh, Percato is a guy who his father, Victor, was a former Yankees minor leaguer. Um, He's emerged as one of the top prospects in the 2019 international prospect class. Padres signed him for $1.3 million. Um, Has yet to make his major league debut, his professional debut, I guess, yet. But he's a skinny Projectable frame, who's now at about 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, a switch hitter. Um, left-handed, right-handed swings are different, but both very strong, and both show signs of being able to grow into power as he gets older. He's got a really good, strong control of the strike zone. He's a pretty good runner. Um, it seems to have advanced instincts and polished defensive skills that seem to make people think that he could stick at shortstop, despite being 6'5". His arm strength is getting stronger. There's a ton of upside, but really everything hinges on to how his body fills out and when that power starts coming. Because if Bricado can start showing he's got you know, 15 to 20, 25 home run power at a shortstop at 6'5", that's an impressive skill set. And a guy you could, even with how many prospects the Cubs or prospects are picking up now that are shortstops, you could maybe move into third base outfield, DH, whatever it may be, second base. It's nice to have Ishmael Mina, the 18-year-old uh Dude is going to be just a monster. He's already 6'4", 185 at 18 years old. The way things are progressing, people think that, like Percato, he should start to fill out, despite being a teenager, a lot of you know his game relies heavily on him filling out his frame, but people think he could get up to 225 pounds. We're talking about 40, 50 pounds of weight. During the pandemic, he put on already 10 pounds of good weight and stood out in the instructional league because of that. He's a sleek lean center fielder with a ton of speed in the outfield. He's going to need to improve just like his route taking in the outfield. He doesn't have necessarily the greatest feel out there, but in terms of what he brings with his bat, he seems to hit the ball all over the field. He's got a whippy swing from the left side, but he does have a lot of pop and he does seem to get underneath the ball quite a bit from some of that launch angle. You could see if that dude was able to put on more and more weight, it's not hard to see him turning into a big power hitter yes in Santana the shortstop I was mentioning before signed out of the Dominican Republican in 2017 he's very quick he's got some of those fast twitch fibers his numbers through uh through the fall league or rookie league in Arizona in 2019 batted 2 or 346 and on base percentage of 429 he seems to show really great hand eye coordination and barrel awareness he's always making contact and he has a great does a great job of going the other way going up the middle pulling balls he just has a great eye for the strike zone and knows with two strikes when to make those adjustments and when to really pull on a ball and barrel it up He's an impressive dude. I I think he's going to be fun. He just seems to have really explosive, quick twitch fiber hands, plays with a lot of energy, has good awareness for the game itself. Um, He can play too fast, but they think that eventually as he starts to refine his skills in the defensive side, he's got really good range. His arm strength is improving. People seem to think he has a good chance of sticking in the infield but could develop defensively elsewhere. And then Owen Casey he was one of the top hitters for the Canadian junior national team. And he generated a ton of buzz apparently when he crushed a home run into the batter's eye, at the blue Jays spring training stadium. Um, he was the 45th overall pick in this year's draft by the Padres, the second, second round pick. He actually forewent his Michigan season or commitment to Michigan to come be drafted and play for the Padres. Um, He did have a hairline fracture, I believe, in his um, elbow, but recovered in time for instructional leagues. He's a big left-handed bat with a ton of power, and he's got a lot of strength. He's going to have to start consistently becoming a better hitter to be able to continue using that pop, but he's easily got left-handed 30 home run plus power. He's just got to make sure he improves his contact. The swing is a little awkward and jerky. He can miss inside on fastballs quite a bit. Um, he will have to get a better do a better job of covering the plate. But man, when fastballs are over the plate, he absolutely crushes it. He's got a long swing, but you know, strikeouts are probably going to be an issue for him. But you could see the potentials there and the bat speed is there to, to make those adjustments and really turn on some pitches. So he seems like a fun guy, but these four guys all of them promising futures it's just the question of you know what exactly does it mean that the cubs traded arguably their best asset and got back these four guys who you know at the very at the very best right now are probably fringe top 10 prospects maybe some of them um and realistically just don't know what does that say does does a darvish trade like this mean they're not competing in 2021 at all what You know, I, I, I have no idea. <laughs> I guess we'll have to kind of see what other deals come about. You you still look at this team, and while definitely taking a massive step back with, with you, Darvish, is probably still capable of winning 80, mid-80 games, 85, 86 games if you think that, you know, this roster is currently constructed, sticks together for the most part, maybe a couple additions. But I don't know why you make this deal and then maybe throw in a couple things and just kind of roll with that as is If you're if you're not ready to just purge this roster and try again and it does kind of beg the question like is this now the Cubs' salary cap or their their payroll right now is somewhere around 140 150 million um you would assume it'll probably jump up to maybe closer to like 160 million 170 but not much more than that it then begs the question: Do the Cubs need to move another person off this roster to make additions? Because they still have to add additions. They're still going to need pitching. John Lester might come back. We saw Bob Nightingale float that out there earlier today, and you know that would make sense. It'd be definitely a move to appease the fans after trading a clear fan favorite and a guy that I don't think many people expected to be moved at the beginning of this offseason. season. Um, but it, it you have to add to this roster a little bit. Dave Kaplan talked about this all over on Twitter, and then I listened to a little bit of the uh, the Cubs Talk podcast, where he, he kind of mentioned, you know, th- this Cubs team has a billion dollars in debt. Now he keeps saying this Cubs team; it's the ownership group, it's the Ricketts that have a billion dollars, according to him, in debt. But there was a tweet he put out there. He said they're in a financial crisis over there. That, that is a fact. A billion dollars of debt, a lousy farm system, a pandemic that cost them close to 200 million. These are just facts. Add in a TV station is not producing revenue like they thought it would. They have serious issues. OK, yes. OK, so maybe the Ricketts do have a billion dollars in debt on their on their sheets right now. And maybe that's something they have to deal with. How does that impact the baseball organization and why are they not able to? Put some of their own money into this. There's a great article from Evan Altman that talked about some of just the other revenue streams that Major League Baseball owners have. Things like Bam Tech, which is being used to power things like Disney Plus, Hulu, uh, you know, I think WWE, PGA, Tour Live, NHL uses it all for their digital streaming stuff. I think Fox, MLS. Hulu Plus live TV, all the muses Bam Tech, fifteen percent of that because Bam Tech was developed by the MLB's Advanced Media product and was sold to Disney in 2015. They see about fifteen. They they own fifteen percent of that stake, so they see funds coming in there regularly. Evan Altman talked about it's somewhere around let's say five billion is how much it's worth for of bam tech, 15% of that is still a huge chunk of money that's being dispersed between the MLB owners. You're talking about 750 million, possibly a value that the MLB owners could own in companies. And you talk about, you know, that's maybe 25, 30 million per, per, per team, but these are just regular investments that the MLB owners didn't have to try at all to do. And there's a bunch of these little investments like this throughout baseball that the owners see money kick back to them quite a bit. You talk about the Cubs, too, as well. Obviously, the Ricketts own TD Ameritrade. That deal for $26 billion in stock was finalized in October. Now, it's stock. It's not guaranteed shares quite literally, but the stock at the time this deal was completed yielded at something about, I think, a 17% premium. So you're talking about a 17% increase on the stock value that these uh, that the Ricketts are getting for their company that they've created. Like, it's just nonsense. There is so much money here in their pockets that they could take and put into baseball, but they are not doing so. And the fact that you can turn around and see the Padres of all teams going for it. You see the Mets saying they're going to spend money that the Yankees are going to spend money at some point here that the Red Sox consistently spend money, despite obviously selling away guys like Mookie Betts and whatnot. Like there are, major market teams that are still finding ways to make this work and maybe have somewhat of a down year and kick back up because of the efforts they've done on more than just you know what they did to win a championship in 2016. So it's frustrating to see this Cubs team sit here and say they can't spend money and then quite literally gut their team for, for $59 million. You, you traded away your ace for $59 million and a bunch of lottery tickets. But realistically, this was about the money. And if these players that come back have some value to the Cubs, which it looks like they will, that's great. But you won't see those returns until three, four years down the road. And the Cubs do need to make changes now. So I would think if the Cubs are, if the Rickets are in this series of financial issues, troubles, whatever you want to call it, with a TV network that, it's just losing value <laughs> the more the, longer, the more players that leave this team. I would expect more casualties are coming, sadly. And if Kaplan has been right, which he has been right on the money with all these Cubs finances, no pun intended there. Um, it sure seems like the Cubs are going to probably be finding more ways to cut salary, cut their budget. They've already done this nonstop. You think about this, the Cubs media team only has about six or seven people on their team. They've fired the two most experienced and <laughs> oldest media members on the team this year. So they are running with all, what was already a skeleton crew with even less help to simply just save money. That's the way this organization is going to be run now for the next couple of years. And the Ricketts are going to try and keep it that way for as long as they possibly can. Until they start seeing all these money coming through, the fans coming in, the funds that they, they, the revenues they've come to expect from Wrigley Field. But you know, Evan Altman ended his article kind of chastising Bricketts and the Cubs and ownership groups in general, saying simply, you know, billionaires don't pump tons of money, both directly and indirectly, into an industry they don't believe will end up making them more money eventually. People who make this kind of money and make these kind of decisions don't make stupid decisions like this with their money because that's how they stay <laughs> rich and millionaires and make these decisions. They they aren't the fact that they're trying to say baseball isn't making as much money as they're saying it used to or whatever is just just flat out ridiculous. Maybe on the field, maybe not getting those you know at the gate type of concessions hurts teams. It, it clearly does, but. The owners are doing just fine, and if it was seriously an issue, they'd sell their shares and get the heck out of baseball. They're not doing that for a reason. So whether it's status, whether it's the financial game, whatever it may be, ultimately we need more owners to be more like Steve Cohen. (laughs) And uh, I I, I don't know what to expect here from this Cubs team outside of uh, probably more More people leaving this roster, or more salary cap saving type moves to, you know, hopefully get prospects back, but realistically, be bad for probably 2021 and for a couple seasons after that. And I know at the very beginning of the show, I said I, I didn't think this was a full on rebuild, and I I still. Don't think the Cubs are going to go that direction. At the end of the day, there's going to be people on this team like Anthony Rizzo, and Javier Baez, who you'll recognize and will make a difference and still make this team good. Kyle Hendricks is still going to be Kyle Hendricks. Zach Davies looked pretty good in 2020. You're expect, you know, you could see possibly some great steps from a guy like Edbert Alzali. Maybe Braylon Marquez gets a chance on this team now. You know there are opportunities for people to step up now, and the Cubs have an opportunity to take a chance on some of those guys that we haven't before. We've we've mentioned this before, so I mean, there's ways that this team still finds, you know, uh, some type of semblance of competition in 2021, especially because this division isn't that great. Um, But I I think more realistically, we'll, we'll probably see the Cubs see what they can do in 2021. Maybe not put a ton of money into the team and hope for some bounce back candidates from bryant and others and see if they can maybe move them at the deadline but um i would expect if the cubs need to make more additions to this roster that they'll probably find more ways to cut salary so um i don't know what to expect there's a lot more questions that we have now than we did before but ryan davis will be joining with me um later this week to kind of help talk through this he's uh going to share his thoughts and opinions and perspective on this situation but it's uh at the end of the day we're talking about the cubs possibly going through two rebuilds and kind of you know one era so to speak with hoyer now kind of running the show similarly did with epstein obviously better players here a better core obviously better infrastructure set up now but it's going to be tough to sell two rebuilds to a team that just won their first World Series in 108 years, five seasons ago. But that's what the Cubs' reality is right now, and I guess we have no choice at this point other than just kind of sit and see what happens, but right now, it does not look like the Cubs are trying to compete in 2021, and I'm interested to see what Jed Hoyer has to say about this. But that will do it here for today's episode of Lockdown Cubs. Make sure you subscribe on whatever podcast app you use, whether that's Google, Apple, Spotify, TuneIn, App, Stitcher. Subscribe, leave a five-star review. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at Lockdown Cubs. You can follow me on Twitter at Sean R. Sears. But thanks for tuning into your guys' daily Cubs podcast. Enjoy the rest of your day. And as always, go Cubs.